Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. This is Auburn football, okay? It's the best part of it. The place is rich. It's resourced. It has unbelievable passion. It's also impulsive, divided, and prone to self-sabotage. SI's Russ Dellinger. I, I, I just don't think people understand how difficult it can be living and working and trying to compete in Mississippi with, with others that are not in Mississippi. And SI's Pat Forty. And even the ones that are like, well, it's not to excuse what Michigan State did, but I'm going to expend a lot of heat and air right now telling you how terrible Michigan is. Be quiet. Say, look, I love my team. I love my school, but we were in the wrong here, okay? Here's Pat, Russ, and Dan. All right, welcome to the pod emergency pod edition. Oh, yeah. We got escalating tensions even after the fight in uh, the state of Michigan. We've got uh, Auburn firing a coach. It's a biannual tradition. On the same day they <laughs> hired an AD. And they hired an AD. Uh, and we've got other stuff. We have too much. We've got the p- first playoff rankings called tomorrow night. So we're going to tape another pod after tomorrow night to talk about that. We have this massive weekend of games, including LSU, Alabama, and uh, Georgia, Tennessee, which is the colossal, you know, somebody's getting the inside track on the on the, on a playoff bid, among other things. So we got all sorts of stuff. So even here on a holiday night, mm. we said that we got to do it. Yeah. All Hallows Eve. Not not all Hallows Eve. Happy Pole Assassin Day. <laughs> oh, it is, is that right? Pole Assassin. Stripper Monkey Day. Stripper Monkey Day. Yeah. It is Happy Pole. If you recall, uh, yes. Danielle yes. Thomas, <laughs> a.k.a. the Pole Assassin, Mm-mm-mm. during uh, the entertaining days of uh, her career. I uh, was dating uh, a University of Texas assistant coach, Jeff Banks. And um, last year, through threw a Halloween party in the neighborhood where a young uh, young neighborhood party goer wandered into the back of their house, saw some cages, stuck his hand in the cage and got bit by her emotional <laughs> support monkey. <laughs> Slash stripper pole colleague. 
Co-star, co-star. That's right. Was occasionally used in the performances. Yeah. Oof. Mm. <laughs> it's a normal Halloween incident, right? Bit by a caged <laughs> monkey that belonged to a stripper who was dating a football coach. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. Remember when the, when this started to hit last year and we are like, come on, this can't be real. It's like, I don't know, it was like bro Bible or something was putting it out. And then all of a sudden, the pole assassin herself basically confirmed the whole story. And we're like, yes, podcast gold. It absolutely, uh, yeah. And she blamed the kid because the kid wandered off. I mean, kind of, but yeah. So um, happy pole assassin day. <laughs> also Halloween. To all who celebrate, to all who celebrate the pole assassin day. Pole assassin day is here. How so. would you celebrate a pole assassin day? You know what? Let's not go there. Well, there's. I have some ideas, yeah. but let's let's get to the fight. Yeah, before yeah. we get fired on an emergency, it's like getting fired on your day off, right? Like yeah. Friday, right? We're doing extra work here. Yeah, I don't need to do that. So, hope everyone's fine. Hope that young that young fella has recovered from the incident. <laughs> All right, the uh, the brawl in the big house. If it's even a brawl. Sort of, I mean, I can't say it escalated because I don't believe anyone was injured on, on Monday, but we had dueling press conferences a half hour and uh, 65 miles apart. Uh, Jim Harbaugh comes in strong, claiming what happened in the tunnel was egregious, sickening to watch. Uh, he claims there is, a, he has a, a better view from the ABC telecam. It's on a higher elevation. Now, that, that does not appear to be the actual ABC film. So I don't know. We have not seen the higher elevation video that Harbaugh has seen. I believe that there is surveillance video from above each locker room. Right. Uh, and Harbaugh was confused uh, because ABC, I think, released its video, and I, you can't see anything or much, but he declared it. Uh, sickening to watch. There needs to be accountability, full, thorough, timely investigation, and uh, a couple of the big quotes. I can't imagine this will not result in criminal charges. Yeah. Wow. The videos are bad. It's clear what transpired. It's open and shut. As they say, watch the tape. Uh, Mel Tucker uh, decided, uh, did come out. He apologized. He's yet to throw up any kind of real defense. And then uh, he had a, a line where he just kept basically saying, out of respect for the integrity of the investigation, it would be irresponsible for me to comment. Now, I think he was just saying that. I don't think he was directing it and suggesting that Harbaugh was irresponsible to comment. But he could have. He could have. Then we have this whole bit where MSU fans and kind of their partisan media are blaming Harbaugh for all of this because the rivalry has gotten amped up under him. <laughs> And Michigan players are talking a lot of smack and and mm. all of that. Mm -hmm. uh, so we can discuss that. Yeah, by all means, you should hit him in the face with a helmet if yeah. they talk smack to you. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's it's a little bit of whataboutism, but we'll get to that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then uh, Gamont Green, who was the one who there's blurry video, background video of him getting hit with someone swinging an unidentified Michigan State player swinging a helmet at him. He is not wearing a helmet. Uh, he is apparently the one who was uh, first involved in this. He hired uh, noted uh, attorney Tom Mars 
who finds his way into all sorts of mischief in college <laughs> athletics, including uh, uncovering Hugh Freeze <laughs> dialing up a, uh, well, a pole assassins mm. of his own, <laughs> if you will. A career assassin, Monkey-less. I think. A career, a career assassin. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Tom Mars, uh, you're always good when Tom's involved. <laughs> I saw that. I was pretty happy. Pat, wh- you start with this. The Tom Mars' involvement and uh, the the he, they're going to press charges, the Green family. Yeah, yeah. I reported that Monday afternoon. And Michigan State fans were fond of saying, Tuck coming. We got bad news for Michigan State. Mars coming. When he's involved, things get heated, things get very brass knuckles tough, I think you could say. Ask the University of Mississippi about dealing with him. Ask the University of Georgia. He was involved in Justin Fields' transfer. Uh, you can ask a lot of people about their their activity with Tom Mars. As you said, he he finds his way into, into different uh, shenanigans, and he, he is a blunt force guy. And he had a, a blunt force statement that he gave me regarding this. He said, When college football players brutally attack a member of the opposing team with their helmets, resulting in the player suffering a concussion and other injuries, an apology won't suffice. There has to be severe consequences for this kind of misconduct. Not only does Jamon Green deserve to be compensated for his injuries, severe consequences in this case will deter others who might think they can get away with brutally beating an opposing player and only get a slap on the wrist. I've got news for the MSU players who did this to Jamon. <laughs> they are going to feel the full wrath of the law. Woo! Oh, boy. There you have it. It sounds like a lawyer wrote that, Pat. <laughs> it does. It does. A great Man. saber-rattling lawyer. That is he is that. Uh, yeah, he's like the F around and find out guy. Yeah. Uh, yes. As Ole Miss and Hugh Freeze did. Yep. And uh, <laughs> yeah, Hugh around. Freeze wound up at... He, yeah, he wound up at Liberty. Yeah, that's what happened. So, yeah, that's that's some bold talk, Ross. What do you think? Yeah, big time. And you, obviously, uh, and you guys might might know this more than me, but there has been you know criminal charges against players associated with stuff around a game before, and I feel like a lot of times players get out of it because it's something, you know, on the field of play or, you know, the arena of the game. But, but this was obviously off the field completely in a, in a tunnel. And so you got to wonder if like, finally we might actually have some serious criminal, you know, consequences for the actions. Uh, The fact that it was on video, I think I, this morning, I want to say a new ESPN video footage kind of came out where you could see, you know, a Michigan player, a Michigan State player, just swinging a helmet down right into the the head or, or face of uh, of this kid, and, and uh, that's pretty good evidence, I'd say. Well, yeah, and um, so you know, I think the tack these guys took today, Harbaugh is suggesting he has seen a video, and it undoubtedly exists. I mean, I, I'd be stunned if there's not very clear video from security and surveillance in the in the Lloyd Carr tunnel there. And there's also other people who are filming stuff. We've only seen two cell phone videos and then this ESPN one. We haven't, you know, seen that many, but there's obviously more. I mean, unless Harbaugh is a, 
just a uh, it, it defies logic that Harbaugh would come out that strong and say that you know watch the tape if there isn't this is even more damning what you're going to yeah. eventually see on these tapes. Yeah. I mean, I suppose he could be, but why would you if he's watched it and like oh wasn't that bad? Nobody really got hit or his one of his players was you know through the first punch or something like that. I'm guessing he doesn't come out as strong as he does today. Yeah. And conversely, MSU, which I would hope has seen something or been shared or also has investigated this, and they've certainly, I mean, we're talking 48 hours later now, we're doing this, wouldn't take the posture of, we can't discuss an ongoing investigation. I mean, yeah, the police are kind of all, it's also like a big 10 investigation. Is that like really an investigation? Like this is, right. not, this is not the FBI saying don't talk. You don't have a, a judge gag order on this. MSU's getting raked over the PR coals. If they had anything that could defend their players or their program and they didn't come out and do it right now, then it would be public relations malfeasance. And there were a lot of smart people in the MSU athletic department that are not going to fall for that. Right. And I'm sure they've probably hired a crisis man. I mean, it's just not. So, you know, one of the things with all these stories is you always have to be careful when you're in a position like we are, where you have to try to make a, you have to write or comment on something. It's just you, not all the facts are in, but you can't just sit there and be like, yeah, we'll, we'll only write about it when the facts are in. Like there's immense public interest yeah. in this. Right. So this is the job. But at this point, I'd be stunned if this is going to flip in any way and be like, aha, mm-hmm. the MSU guys are innocent. Yeah. And it was really the Michigan guys. Right. So that to me is 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 pretty damning. And then, you know, what, what Mars is saying, I mean, I don't know. Does he obviously they press criminal charges. The Ann Arbor police are involved. I'm guessing a, a Washtenaw County a turn a prosecutor could be fairly popular prosecuting Michigan <laughs> state football players. Right. I mean, that's not, mm-hmm. and it looked like a, it was a, we said it the other day, it was like a street fight. That wasn't a, yeah. even when they they're on the field, it's like, well, you can run away. Yeah. Uh, this was, you know, what do you do in the, by no means a fair fight of any kind? Yeah. So I wonder if there's, you know, does Mars sue Michigan state? Does he sue the, you know, I don't know. I mean, again, I don't, I don't want him messing around with me. I don't know what they do, but where, where does this go, uh, go on all that? Yeah. My sense, and this is mostly conjecture, but is one reason like the big 10 hasn't done anything yet and, or said anything other than an initial statement of, yeah, we're aware and Michigan state kind of left things open-ended is I think they're waiting to see if there's going to be criminal charges here. It's like Michigan State probably stepped in, suspended the four guys Sunday night because it was very clear that they were in the most trouble. They were the most clearly wrong, and you could make that easy move and you know say that you're proactive here, you're doing something. But they didn't announce a length of suspension. They didn't notice, you know, they said they, that things could, st- other things could still happen. And I, my sense is they are waiting. Everybody's kind of waiting to see, okay, what's the legal ramifications here? What's the criminal ramifications? And then, and then we will go from there because it's unusual. As you said, Dan, 48 hours later, like for the big 10 to not have uttered a peep to me says that 
They're just kind of waiting for somebody else to utter some peeps first. Yeah, we were waiting all evening. You know, it was like something going to come out, something going, no, nothing here. I agree. It's, you know, until the suspensions move on to more people, I would say those four, their their future in uh, East Lansing is is pretty dire. But I don't, I don't even think you're going to get a whole lot of Michigan State fans or anyone at Michigan State is going to say, look, if, if you are hitting someone with a helmet and you get an assault, assault and battery charge. I mean, I mean, it's just so beyond the pale of, of it and not in, in the play of action. So this is going to get interesting. There's going to be a lot more to go. And, and I think that's why MSU is holding its fire. And I'm not one of these people like you must, why haven't they thrown these kids out of school? Like you got to let right. a process play out. And stuff. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, that, that's there, there's, a lot that still needs to be discovered, unfolded, whatever. I mean, I'm sure people are looking at all that behind the scenes. My guess, too, is both schools who have plenty of people friendly to the universities who are in legal, either in law enforcement or the law lawyers, who they brought in say, hey, look, this is all the tape we've got. Look at this. How much trouble are we in if you're Michigan State? Or if you're Michigan, how much trouble are they in and how much we press the issue here? So I'm sure both sides have had plenty of input from people who are who, who know how to handle their way around possible, you know, aggravated assault. On a scale of Jawan Howard, how uh, how big of a hit is this? <laughs> we're, we're a lot over Jawan Howard. The only difference there is that he was a multi-million dollar coach doing the swinging. But yeah. <laughs> Michigan fans are just irate that someone would hit somebody else. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, there's, this is like, my, my, my Twitter mentions are an absolute forest fire oh, of, yeah, of bickering tell me about at it. this point. Yeah. Usually they got a point on that one. MSU fan has a point on that one. Yeah. 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 Okay. But not really what happened in the tunnel. That's (laughs) not related, but yeah, not so good. It's not related. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. I, this, the the rivalry has gone extreme toxicity at this point and they got to figure out how to dial it down a little bit. I I don't, that, that's not a blame one side or the other, or I'm not blaming both sides because this escalated dramatically because of these four guys. Right. And maybe more, but the fact is it happened and uh, I don't know what you got to do, but they need to, they need to dial this down a little bit because I I mean, I don't, I live in the state of Michigan. I, I I didn't go to Michigan. I didn't go to Michigan state. Not a Michigan State fan. Not a Michigan fan. I don't really care. I root for both of them if they're doing well or covering the game. I don't care. I, I pretty much could see, you know, how it is. But my experience with most people living in Michigan is, I mean, it's like one kid goes to Michigan State, one goes to Michigan, and one friend is from Michigan. Like, it's, there's a rivalry, but, like, there's not the gunplay level rivalry <laughs> amongst yeah. the fans, at least yeah. most of them. You know, it's just sort of like this has gotten well beyond what most people, you know, I, I, it's just it just doesn't doesn't make any sense that it could it should get to this level. And it, and it has. So there shouldn't be fights. Uh, this is embarrassing for 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 Michigan State, but it's just. Uh, you know, Michigan and and both both of the teams could do something good to try to figure out how to how to dampen this down because uh, this is getting nobody really wants to see a kid who's in, playing college football wind up in in jail. No, right? No. Like, there's uh, nothing uh, good uh, going on here. No, 
But we all, yeah, you'd also don't want to see kids getting concussions from being hit right. in the head with somebody right. else. You just don't want to see this whole thing. So consequences of some kind. But yeah, you don't mm-hmm. you don't want to see a 19, 20 year old go to go to prison, get kicked off a team, and go to prison and career over. You know. Yeah, career's over. They're thrown out of school. They lose their scholarship, and yeah, they're going to end up on like last chance. You getting screamed at by like Jason Brown. <laughs> All right, so. Let's let, let us let me hear your uh, take on the the Mar- Michigan State fan uh, pushback. Now, this is not the school; they're not even trying to trot no. this out. Right, but it's all Harbaugh's fault. Oh yeah, yeah mm-hmm. the building's very old, but there were not these fights in the tunnel mm-hmm. until Harbaugh came along. Now, there's the peanut butter and jelly gate with Penn State. There was an incident last year at, uh, at half or before the game, a lot of John with Ohio State. And now there's this one, and the belief is Harbaugh lets his players talk unbelievable amounts of smack. J.J. McCarthy's talking about running up the score, and there's always this stuff going on. Uh, you know, Blake Corum walks in after the game and just mocks Mel Tucker uh, and the whole Tuck coming line. He said, all I saw was Tuck running. Yeah. You know, should a player make fun of a coach? Uh, you know. You all know my stance on sportsmanship, but other people have different opinions. <laughs> I, I was amused. You want to abolish sportsmanship? I don't I believe. Yeah, I don't believe. I don't believe really that much in sportsmanship. But I don't have a problem with it. Tuck, Tuck's making ninety-five million, smoking big cigars, and uh, they're selling Tuck's Tuck coming T-shirts. Hey, you say Tuck running? It's kind of funny. But other people, well, that's not the way we do things. But there is a, a whole bit. This is Michigan, Michigan's problem. This is the Michigan State doesn't want to elevate it. Michigan State wins the, the the game last year. You don't see any issues. They know how to celebrate amongst themselves. They were leaving as they were supposed to, and these two players of Michigan went into the they they were supposed to wait and they didn't. They just left too early and they got in the middle there. Uh, Ross, uh, can you blame Michigan in this? Because there's a lot of people here blaming Michigan. Uh, I, no, I, no, you handle it. no, I, uh, <laughs> I don't think I don't think you can blame Michigan for uh, talking. I guess talk uh, having uh, players to talk so much smack that uh, it required a a helmet being swung at a helmetless player. I don't. Uh, <laughs> that doesn't uh, yeah. that doesn't jive at all. Bridge uh, too far. You know, in in uh, isn't football and sports in general is supposed to be kind of fun and you know you're you're gonna let your players kind of celebrate a win and and kind of chill a little bit and not be so uptight about things i mean it's supposed to be fun and part of being 18 19 20 year old is yeah like uh you know talking the old smack and you know all that and I, I think that's fine and you can't you can't convince me that if they didn't do all that that this would have wouldn't would have happened anyway or, or whatever it just doesn't make any sense I, and i didn't even see all that dan i guess this was pushed out by some michigan state fans or something but it seems crazy yeah there's all kinds of stuff being pushed out by by <laughs> some segment of the michigan state fans i mean it's that yeah yeah i mean people are still they want to blame the tunnel they want to blame harbaugh they want to blame those two guys for running in there and and, and even the ones that are like well it's not to excuse what Michigan State did, but I'm going to expend a lot of heat and air right now telling you how terrible <laughs> exactly. Michigan is. Like, just be quiet. Say, look, I love my team. I love my school, but we were in the wrong here, okay? And end of discussion. Stop. You're done there. 
Now, yeah, okay. Does Harbaugh and his team maybe have a way of irritating people? Yeah, okay. There's one way to do something about it. It's not to assault them in the tunnel. It's to beat them on the field. Right. As Ohio State has done a lot. You know, if you don't like it, do something about it on the field. I I do think the, I mean. MSU's it, done it pretty good. Oh, well, they have. They have. They beat them in yeah. 2020 and 2021 with yeah, Tuck. Yeah, I think they won 10 of 15 or something. Yeah. They won a bunch of these. But. Yeah. You know, I, to me, the best thing about winning is not saying, ha, ha, eat it to the team you beat. It's like, hey, we just did something good. So I'm not really down with the, you know, let's make the other team look bad. Like, let's just be happy that we won. If somebody wants to talk smack to you, point at the scoreboard and say, there's the score. We'll see you next year. Yeah. I mean, ideally, it's, you grab the Paul Bunyan trophy, you run over to the student section, and, and then yeah. it's all good. Yeah. So, uh, But if a college player goes for 177 yards <laughs> and avenges a, a, a touchdown and avenges a, a bitter defeat from the year before and – Kind of makes fun of a dude who cashed in ninety five million off that game. Totally fine with that. Uh, I, there's there's big there's bigger victims out there. <laughs> yeah, and and they I mean this this hasn't been like a subtle thing that that Mel Tucker and Michigan State have done. It's like it's been a campaign, right? The Tuck coming like it's a campaign that that we've seen. So if you're gonna do that. You know, you got to expect like there's going to be, especially when you lose, right? There's there's going to be a little uh, backlash to that, and that's what we're seeing. Yeah, I, th- I think like you know, it's through the years, it's just gone back and forth. But like Mark D'Antonio used it as fire, like it was fuel. Right, right. He hated Michigan. Yes, arrogance. He used that word a lot describing pride him. comes before the fall. He made yeah. fun of Mike Hi- Mike Hart's height. My, uh, uh, Mike Hart famously called him little brother, which is just drove the I mean, it's pretty good. We had that the one a few years ago, I think it was 19 or 2018, when Michigan State walks across the field and oh yeah. There's a couple of Michigan players out there already warming up. They they link arms. Link arms and just basically kind of run them over. Yeah. 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 They ran them over. And then there was supposedly a scuffing of the the Devin Bush was scuffing up the Devin Bush. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The sacred symbol. I mean, it's comedy. (laughs) My God, how self important can we be? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, all of that was just stupid. And you either look like a fool or you don't. (laughs) But it's, you. It's not criminal and it's not this. So, right. I don't know. Yeah. So, all right. We'll see. More to come. More to More come. More to come. Unfortunately, none of the injuries appear to be too significant, I guess, so far. Yeah. We'll see. A, con- a concussion. Which you a never concussion. Know, but, yeah. But we'll see where we're at uh, or add on that. Okay. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. From violence to money. <laughs> Auburn. Ah. 
fires Brian Harson. Uh, he is six and six and seven in his career. He is owed fifteen point five, fifteen million five hundred seventy-five thousand dollars. He's getting seven point seven eight million within thirty days, and then he has four straight years of an annual payment of one point nine four million. Not bad. No, good way to uh, go. Good way to go. Mm-mm. And now the Auburn job is free. Now, I tallied this up. December 13, 2020, they fired Gus Malzahn. They paid him $21.45 million. And they have to keep paying him the $22.68 million installments, even though he's got a new job. He's making $11.5 million or five years UCF. I mean, Gus is rich. Not <laughs> <laughs> a Waffle work. House. So it was 21.45 for Gus. The Opelika Auburn News said that the assistance that they had to fire and staffers of Gus Malzahn was about $7.15 million. You throw in this $15.575 million, and we're not even getting to the Auburn staffers who have been fired. We're at $44.2 million. Mm. Uh, we're probably headed to $50 million in the last two years in buyout money. <laughs> now... <laughs> War Eagle. <laughs> War Eagle. Like, I know you got the money and the boosters and all that, but $50 million to pay dudes not to work? We got the money, and we will show you, Dan. We will show you we got the money. That's right. Hey, congrats. I'm giving dudes $50 million bucks. How much NIL could it be? Could that be used for? How many players? Man. That's what they need to be thinking about. Man. Uh, yeah. The coaches, though, you know they're going to complain. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just uh, these kids, these high school kids are making money. They didn't even yeah. earn it. <laughs> this transfer portal, this is ridiculous. <laughs> 50 million bucks at one school to pay people not to work. But to me, this number is, this is Auburn football. Okay, it's the best part of it. The place is rich. It's resourced. It has unbelievable passion. It's also impulsive, (laughs) divided and prone to Mm. (laughs) self-sabotage. Yes, this is the conundrum. They're giving out 50 million because they got sick of these coaches, yet they got the 50 million. So. This is the place. It can it can win national championships or it can be absolutely ridiculous. What is going to be next? I don't know. They could literally be redoing this in two years and we go going for like 75 million or 100. Or they could be the playoffs, like beating teams, right? Mm-hmm. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. It is quite the roller coaster, the last. Yeah. What, what do you think next, Ross? What, 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 is this not just Auburn at its best and worst? Yeah, and it really is. Most telling? Yeah. I mean, it's like uh, you said it, right? The, it seems like every five years, Auburn is a circus and it torpedoes itself in some way internally in the administration or boosters or board because of the involvement there from the outside entities and their power and authority. And then every five years, Auburn seems to be competing for a championship in going undefeated it's it's amazing and it probably shows that you know i hate to use a a cliche here from from old pj fleck but if everybody 
gets rowing in the same direction, <laughs> then maybe Auburn can more consistently compete for championships on the field and, uh, you know, cut out the uh, circus that seems to come to town every three to five years, going back a long, long time. But it's like the history there. Uh, it's like part of the fabric. It's like the fight song and the colors. It's like <laughs> Auburn Booster involvement, you know, board board involvement. <laughs> I mean, that's it's like part of it. And uh, they claim that, you know, no longer we're not going to do that. You know, but you just keep hearing that every new AD that's hired, every new coach that's hired, you hear the same thing. And, you know, I don't know that John Cohen and whatever, whoever they hire as football coach can go in there and all of a sudden things are going to be hunky dory. You know, they got a new president. He's been in Auburn for like 30 years. He's got relationships with everybody there, the board and the boosters, I'm sure. I don't know if that's good or bad. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I guess we'll find out soon enough because within the next year, yeah. we we might have, you know, some other implosion. <laughs> the, the thing I just like, this is so Auburn, it hurts. Uh, the, the confluence of events here. I mean, first of all, like right, Brian Harson's been a dead man walking since last winter, right? They yep. tried to sabotage him then. They didn't have the goods. It was probably a pretty dirty deal where they were trying to, you know, smear him and school investigated these rumors and then nothing happened. But, I mean, his tenure was over then. It was just a matter of as soon as he lost enough games and he lost them fairly quickly this year. But then, all you know, then things kind of drag out. It's like, oh, no, we're going to keep him because we also kneecapped our AD and we need to bring in a new AD. And so then... <laughs> Like, it all comes together today. It was over the course of the weekend. But today, you it, it becomes, you know, official that you're going to hire the Mississippi State AD. And it's, again, the, the SEC West, where everybody just takes everybody else's stuff, you know? It's like, like a frat house where you just walk into somebody else's room and say, I, I need your sweatshirt. I need your golf clubs. I need your, you know, CD, whatever. You know, you just say, everybody takes everybody else's stuff. So they come take the Mississippi State AD, and they trapdoor Harson today. And this is the best thing as far as timing. Auburn is playing Mississippi State this weekend in football. Could you make it any more awkward? <laughs> Couldn't you have waited one week to steal their AD? Did you have to do it the week you're playing them? Yeah. Now, J John Cohen's <laughs> like, got to get on a plane and go to the Bahamas all week and be like, I just can't, I got to get away from this. I'll I'll report to work on Monday, but but I cannot be around this game or either school. Let me out of here. So there's that. There is all the money that Dan laid out that they are just throwing around. All the money they're going to have to throw around for the Nukes coach, who could perhaps be Lane Kiffin. Speaking of SEC West teams just going and taking each other's stuff. So what the if you rival of Mississippi State? Yeah, well, yeah. Yep. What if you take the AD from Mississippi State, the head coach from Mississippi, have them link arms with the craziest ass boosters in the SEC in the nation and just say, ah, we're gonna go buy a national title. Let's go. Auburn football, right there, yeah. baby. <laughs> I think it's the plan. Yeah. The plan and the plan. I've heard worse plans. That's a better plan than like, hey, I hope this guy from Boise State will work out. He <laughs> yeah. did okay. I'm not saying that was a good hire by any means. No, and the, they were doomed when they hired Harson because half the boosters wanted Kevin Steele, who they just Kevin loved. Steele. 
Kevin Steele is the SEC hero of all heroes. He basically got Brian Harson fired without by not getting the job. Then remember he went to Tennessee and was the interim coach for like two weeks and made a million bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Kevin mm-hmm. Steele is is the 21st century brother Oliver. If you remember him, Bill Brother yeah. Oliver was he was the booster hero defensive coordinator back then who they wanted to get rid of uh Terry Bowden to, to elevate him. It's the same thing, cycle, cycle, just keeps it is. repeating. 40 years. It's been happening for 40 yeah. years there, basically. So yeah. in the past 30 seasons, okay, Auburn has had three perfect seasons. It won a national title. It reached the title game another time. It's won the SEC three times. It reached Atlanta six times. And it once defeated Alabama six consecutive years. Yep. It also ran all five of the coaches who did that out of town <laughs> in bitter and controversial fashions. But then welcome one back and made him the U.S. Senator. <laughs> can't make it up. Really can't make it well, up. This is fantastic. It is. It is. SEC football through and through there on the plains. Just means if, more. If Dan. you had one guy do that for the 30 years, right, they're naming the stadium after him. Yeah, right. Instead, they fired all those dudes. <laughs> Not only fired them, tried to backdoor them with like Bobby Petrino. Yeah, oh, yeah. Just- mm-hmm. oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Candidates. <laughs> Does the lane train do this? That's uh, look, I, to me, if Lane wants it, it's going to be his. He's killing it at an old miss Ross you did a ton of work and I'll ask you about this he he was complaining about the NIL collective up there well mm-hmm. they got him one program's rolling but has he kind of maxed out what you could do at old miss and is looking and saying I'm gonna do this Kiffin crazy doesn't scare him no <laughs> no crazy attracts him no so. and, it, and I don't know that Nick Saban and in, in coaching in the same state as Nick Saban scares him Either, nope. you know, I, uh, it's, yeah, it's just a question everybody wants answered is, is Lane, uh, does he see the benefits in making this move? Is this more than a lateral move? I mean, we've seen the move happen before, you know, a certain current U.S. Senator carried out in the pine, the old pine box from Oxford to Auburn. So it's happened before, you know, things have changed a little bit. You know, Lane was pretty movable. I think it was widely known last year. Uh, I think there was, uh, you know, interest from his camp in Miami, Florida, and and uh, LSU maybe. This year feels a little different. He settled in a little more. You know, I think his, his daughter's now living with him up there. His son is visiting a lot and might be living with him at, at some point. He's got the NIL thing going. He's, he's obviously got the team going well. So you wonder if he if he would leave for a chance to coach a coach at a school, just like John Cohen did leave in Mississippi State, to, to make a move out of the state of Mississippi, which for several reasons, and as a Mississippi Coast guy, I feel like I could say, I mean, there are drawbacks to living in that state and uh, to go to a place that with more resources, plain and simple. And I think the past should be an indicator of things. You know, you just said it, Dan Auburn has competed for two national titles in whatever the last 
10, 12 years, right? 12 years. Um, yeah. And I was going, you know, three undefeated seasons, the last 25 or 30. Uh, you know, Ole Miss hasn't competed for a, a national championship in 60-something, 70-whatever years. So clearly, if he sees the benefit, if he wants to win a national championship and he doesn't think that he can do it at Ole Miss, certainly Auburn has proven there you can do it there. Yeah, it's almost too perfect a match, really, you know, because Kiffin not only doesn't mind drama, he cultivates it and helps exacerbate drama, and there's plenty of it there. I'm sure he feels like if he just gets the right boosters on his side, everything will be fine, which it would be until all of a sudden you lose a game to Arkansas and one to Mississippi State, and then everybody's up your ass. But wouldn't it, it would be kind of perfect – for Auburn to hire a guy who this would be his sixth head coaching job at age 47. All right. Raiders, Tennessee, <laughs> USC, Florida Atlantic, Mississippi, and then Auburn would be number six. <laughs> Maybe he would finally stay someplace for, I don't know, more than three years, but who the hell knows? Lane the Drifter meets Auburn crazy. It's a match made in psycho heaven. I think I when Lane went to Mississippi, I compared him to like oh yes you did like a broke both like a marriage between two like thrice divorced broken down like <laughs> what the bar I, I'll tell you exactly what you, this was actually maybe your finest uh, podcast riff was yeah he was the three time divorced guy who goes to Vegas and falls in love with the stripper and marries the, ah, the that's right, you know, right. The, the broken down stripper that's going to take his money <laughs> yes that's that was your comparison. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, well, it worked out. <laughs> it That's has. the thing. You got you know? to give love a chance. You do. You got to give love a chance. You know, Auburn, and, and I think it's confusing a lot. Why is Auburn do better than Mississippi, right? Well, there's more. You, you, you're closer to, to good players. That's, that's really it. Alabama, the state of Alabama, now this is a bumper crop this year, but 10 of the top, uh, 12 of the top 100 players on rivals are from the state of Alabama. And Auburn has commitments from zero of them. Yeah. And, you know, Alabama is going to dominate recruiting, but they've got five and they'll probably end up with like seven or eight, but they can't get them all. And, you know, this is also a holiday today. It's Nick Saban's birthday. <laughs> and it's his 71st birthday. And we hope Coach Saban coaches for a long, long time, but he's 71 years old. Right. So, at some point, he's not going to be over there running everything. And Alabama's been known to screw it all up, too. Sure. Uh, they, they look like the picture of perfection, but, you know, anything's possible. So there's a little, you know, maybe there's a little, you got a shot in a couple of years. Who knows? But Auburn, there's a ton of players in the state of Alabama. You should be able to get some. You're right across the, you know, right near South Georgia and, and you know, a ton of players in South Georgia you can get to the panhandle very easily. And you're like an hour and a half from part from like downtown Atlanta, but parts of Atlanta, you can get, get players. So you're just a little bit better set up. The stadium's incredible. It's a nice little pretty town. And I just think they can do really well there. So maybe that's enough, but Ole Miss has closed that gap a little bit in facilities and a lot of different things. Well, here's the other thing too. I, I like, the immediacy with which it came out that Lane Kiffin could be the top target 
for Auburn <laughs> says that's more boosters running their mouths. Yep. And let's think about it. If you want to have an ounce of common sense, if you're a booster, maybe let Lane lie low. It's October still. He's got a team that's in the playoff hunt. He's got a team that's still competing for the SEC championship. And now you're going to go running and telling everybody, yeah, we're going to go hire Lane Kiffin. Well, great. You've just created a disaster for Lane Kiffin for the next month. And I don't again, know if that's boosters or just people. I mean, it's so uh, obvious. Yeah. I'm sure they're yapping too. Uh, well, I uh, wonder, you know, I wonder what the new athletic director thinks, you know, I mean, is he going to have, <laughs> they were selling during the search when they interviewed all these ADs, they interviewed a few power five ADs, a group of five ADs. They probably, I don't know, interviewed, seems like at least six to eight or so. They were selling, hey, this is when Auburn changes and the AD is going to hire the football coach and have authority over his department. And so you wonder, you, you know, sure. John Cohen, his former baseball coach, he is pretty fiery, passionate. You know, he's he's pretty meticulous and organized and all this stuff. Like he's, he's <laughs> I don't think he's, he's not one of those that's going to just kind of like sit back. And so I'm fascinated to see how this is all going to work and if he's going to have how much authority is he going to have and how, how much uh, is he going to lead this search? Because I, I I don't know how he feels about Lane Kiffin or any of the other names mentioned. You know, we, we Hugh Freeze obviously is a name that's linked to that job, was linked to it two years ago. I think part of the reason he maybe didn't get the job two years ago is because it, it, it wasn't he hadn't done his time, so to speak, uh, from the issues at Ole Miss. Especially, uh, I know, I know, Dan. That was a, maybe a poor choice of words, but you know, I think from the league's perspective, we all know what happened when Gus, you know, tried to hire Hugh Freeze in maybe seventeen, eighteen, whenever it was, and uh, you know, it was somewhat frowned upon by the the office in Birmingham. So you would think that enough years have passed. But I don't know how, you know, again, I don't know who's making the hire and if it is John Cohen, how he really feels about these candidates. Because in the past, when he's done coaching searches, you hired Joe Moorhead and then you hired Mike Leach. They were pretty intense searches. And, you know, oddly enough, he was a baseball coach at Mississippi State when they uh, hired Dan Mullen. And Greg Byrne was the AD and Scott Strickland was the deputy. And Scott and Greg invited John along for the ride. And so he was in the room when they interviewed Dan Mullen. So he's been a part of a lot of these searches, a lot of successful searches. And I don't know, it strikes me as somebody that if he has full control, he he's not going to just, you know, interview one guy. Well, you can have, they had full control when they hired Brian Harston and you're out in a year. I mean, like that's yeah. a, you can. <laughs> that's the thing. Yeah. They, they, the, the, they reluctantly gave Alan Green and the president the reins for that one. And like, look how that turned out. Yeah, and, and a lot I mean, of people just, just, in that during that one, a lot of people, you know, turned down the job, right? I mean, they were down, they yeah. were down the list. I don't know that anybody's ever said that publicly, but I mean, Brent Venables was interviewed and Billy Napier was interviewed. And, you know, you always dance between what, what's an offer, what's not an offer of a coach got offered. You know, you always hear the, yeah, there wasn't an offer, offered, right? offer release until you accept there, there's not an offer, but those coaches were, I think, uh, Auburn was pretty interested in them. Let's say that in, they they stepped away from that search for reasons that we've discussed on this on this podcast. All the same yeah. issues, you know, all the same stuff. Yeah. All right, so Hugh Freeze is seven and one at Liberty. Yeah, after losing like a superstar quarterback. Yeah, you know? yeah he's yeah, their string quarterback, I believe. Yeah, nobody, no question, the guy can coach. Yeah. I think the 
if there is a penance for the, uh, you know, whatever he was doing while he was down and, you know, whatever his antics, I, I could care less about that. That's between him and his wife. I always took a great issue with him. And uh, this is the to go back to Tom Mars is that uh, he, the reason, <laughs> the reason we ever found out that he was called, that his cell phone had a, an escort's phone number on it was because he, was saying that all of the NCA violations that were coming were going to be uh, applied to Houston Nut. Yep. Yep. And that was not true. Mm-hmm. But he lied to his team, his team's parents, recruits, and their parents, sat in living rooms and flat out lied to them and put everything on Houston Nut. Also, they'd continue to sign with the school. I found that to be completely ethically bankrupt and a sign of a lousy person. Mm-hmm. I could care less about the other stuff. Now, Hugh, now Tom Mars defending Houston Nutt just said, stop saying it and apologize. They wouldn't. They kept doubling down until he, till Tom Mars went through every last scrap of information he could and busted Hugh Freeze. It was uh, so avoidable. It was incredibly so, avoidable. Oh, yeah. It, it just a whole avoidable. collapse of a coach, just yeah. completely avoidable. And then, you know, and I've heard stories where they're they're going through the records before they release them because they can go through and they can you know mark out uh, what's the word I'm looking for guys they can uh, yeah redact uh, it they can redact redact number you know certain number redact things that are linked to recruits and personal stuff again personal stuff they could redact <laughs> and it was overlooked it wasn't redacted he would also know that he had made the call you think so. Yeah. You'd think yes. so. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, but, but the, just the stuff flat when you're lying to your own players and their parents. Yeah. Mm, Purely you know, to sign, that's sign the players. part that if I was hiring them, I'd go, what, who is this guy? Mm-hmm. Not the other stuff. So, but that was where we're at. But I don't think the Auburn fans care. Uh, I don't think most college football fans care because the guy has got an exciting offense. And if you can't get Lane Kiffin, let's get Hugh Freeze. So yeah. would Auburn yeah. take him and would he would he go with it? Yes I, and yes. I, I think mean, he'd I, crawl there. Right? Oh, he would he would absolutely crawl. I, yeah. My my conjecture, and this is conjecture, is he just agreed last week to a big new contract extension at Liberty. And I'm wondering if he knew that he wasn't gonna be in the mix at Auburn. Whether it was gonna be Kiff or it was gonna be somebody else, but it wasn't going to be him. And it's like, okay, now's the time to re up. Uh, and again, he can he can still get out of it. I'm sure if Auburn decides a, they want him tomorrow, he's a man who values commitment, Pat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't. I if, can't imagine he'd leave Liberty now. No, if Auburn decides they want him tomorrow, he can go. But if you know you're not going to get the job, then you might as well cozy up to what you got. And you know, it's just actually a thought that he and Lane Kiffin have the same agent, so he might have yeah, some information. That's there. a good point. That's true, you know. Then they yeah. beat BYU. So well, we will see. We will see what's next for him. All right. If he's not it or whatever, Deion Sanders, Coach Prime. Hmm. He's got Jackson State headed for the first undefeated season in school history. He's regularly defeating not just FCS teams, but uh, or FBS teams, I'm sorry, but uh, Power 5 teams for recruits. He's a force of nature. 
they did a 60 minutes piece on him. They got game day there. He got the number one recruit in the country out of Atlanta. Had there may SI be no cover. More important SI, than more important got than the game SI day cover. Sixty minutes. I mean, <laughs> he he's a he's a force of nature in it in Atlanta. Uh, he would be uh, an incredible. He's incredible opportunity there. Does Auburn fit him? It's a small town, rural. I don't know. Does he need a bigger city? A bigger community. I know Jackson, Mississippi doesn't seem like a big city, but it's a lot bigger than Auburn, Alabama. Bigger and diverse. And bigger and diverse. Yeah. And what, how does he handle the boosters? <laughs> now, I can only imagine the golf cart they will buy this man. <laughs> how, do the, how do the boosters handle him? How does an AD handle him? Right. We've, uh, we, I think we talked about that on the pod a month or two ago when, when, uh, early in the season, but yeah, I, uh, that one just, you know, I just doesn't seem to fit for me. I, I don't know. It just doesn't seem to fit there. There are a lot of other places out there that I think, uh, Dion, Dion just kind of shtick would, would fit a lot better than a, a small SEC college town. I just, I don't necessarily see it. And I think for, Auburn's perspective too. It's, it's you know, it's still a risk. I mean, Auburn's a good enough job, probably the best job open this cycle, arguably, that they really don't need to take that big of a risk to hire someone who's, you know, first time really college coaching experience is is in the SWAC, and although they're they're doing great things, uh, they've got there's a lot more there's a lot of more in the pool, right? More experienced guys in the pool on the the higher level of coaching with more, much more coaching experience to guys that we talked about. So that, that one just, I don't know, doesn't, doesn't ring for me. If it doesn't ring for Ross, it doesn't ring for me either. I trust his insight on this one. He's spent a lot more time in Mississippi, covered Dion and knows the area. So I, I look, I, I find Dion completely fascinating and intriguing and I hope he does get a big job because I think it'd be a lot of fun and I think he'd do well. But I agree, like, the, the town of Auburn, Alabama, and Dion is not necessarily, I think, a, a great fit. Yeah, it's fit. I think Dion would kill it there. Yeah. It's But, like, uh, you know, uh, the Aflac commercials would get really cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's and right. You got Auburn yeah. against yeah. Alabama. That's right. Yeah. I But I, I tell you what, if he gets an SEC, like, if he took this job, I think it's all the other stuff we talked about just isn't going to work. But let me tell you, if there's 12 top 100 players in the state of Alabama and Coach Prime is at Auburn, yeah, holy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. It's going to be he can get players at Jackson something State. Out. You know, he can get. He's landing the number one recruit in the country to Jackson State. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Jackson State, when he got there, as he was recruiting these kids, their team room was a small concrete floored room with metal folding chairs. And he got, you know, players there. So if he can get him there, yeah, he can get him anywhere. The the interesting thing, you know, what now that Brian Harson is out, you know, West Coast guy Brian Harson, there's one job open right now on the West Coast, obviously in in Phoenix. And we talked how Dion kind of of all the ones open kind of fits that one a little like more. Big too. metro area, kind of fun place. You could see his his mm-hmm. shit kind of working there. But you wonder now if Brian Harson would be a a name out there right. at Arizona State. 
I, I just think he, I think Coach Prime in the Deep South is is a is a really is a really good recruiter. But I do love him at Arizona State too. Yeah, uh, go ahead, Pat. I was just going to say, can we pour one out for the for for Mississippi State in particular? I mean, it, they think that there are now going to be there's three other SEC schools that have their athletic directors. And Ross is pouring one out right now out of, out of a Basil Hayden bourbon bottle. He's at least can, he's can pouring the, the good sound? stuff I tonight. If the sound's getting through there with the Basil Hayden. <laughs> yes, a third straight Mississippi State athletic director has left the school. Back to back, state alums have left the school yeah. for. SEC competitors, uh, Scott Strickland went to Florida, obviously Cohen going to Auburn, and before Strickland, of course, Byrne went to Arizona, but then ended up at Alabama. You know, I wrote a little bit about this on Monday, but, um, you know, State, I, I, I just don't think people understand how difficult it can be living and working and trying to compete in Mississippi with, with others that are not in Mississippi. And it just can be difficult in an array of things. And uh, it's too much to list here, but, you know, getting staff to come live in Starkville or, or you know, even Oxford, but we're talking about Mississippi State right now, you know, getting staff to come there and live there. Getting more than four years on a coaching contract, right? Not allowed in the state, more than four years. You know, just just the overall resources, right? They're, they're behind in, in uh you know they've done a good job with facilities there. They've got they've actually got incredible facilities, right? They've done a good job with that the last few years, and they do do they do a lot more with with less. They have they've done that, but you know this NIL game, it's you know I think they're behind, and um, you know how far are they behind? I don't know because it's hard to believe any of these numbers that you hear with NIL, but they're they're behind, and uh, I think you know you got back-to-back state alums, you know, Scott from Mississippi and John just from nearby Tuscaloosa, grew up loving Mississippi State. I mean, you know, John played for Mississippi State, played baseball, coached the baseball team there. I mean, there's a lot of, like, love and passion for Mississippi State in the state of Mississippi from those two guys, and that should tell you how difficult it is because they're both competitive, they both want to win, and it's just difficult in that state. And that's, that's unfortunate. Uh, but yes, pour one out for, uh, for the Bulldogs. I've always thought that like, they're just, that, the school's just surrounded. Yeah. Like it, 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 Ole Miss dominates sort of the political class and a lot of the lawyers and the old money and, and, and ha- probably have more fans. Uh, I'm sure they have more fans. But, like, you go to the southern part of the state, right, Ross? Like, there's a lot of LSU fans down there. Yeah. Yeah, it's split a lot. It, it is. is. It's And then, you know, and you and have you There's have a lot three. of Alabama fans right. around there. Yeah. Right, and you have, I think it's seven or eight uh, D1 teams in the state. Obviously, three yeah. in FBS and in the coast, you know, where I'm from. It, you know, it's, it's a, it gets a different place when you get north of maybe I-10, Jackson. Uh, you know, but yeah. certainly Hattis- yeah, Hattiesburg area. Like, it, it's a different place. And so the South Mississippi, you know, yeah, South they're Mississippi. LSU fans. Yeah. They're Auburn fans. There's a lot of Auburn fans, actually, yep. in, in South Mississippi. You know, they, and so it's, it's it's Southern Miss, obviously, has a lot of fans yeah, in South Southern Mississippi. Yeah, Southern Miss has followers. Jackson yeah, so, State, they get 50,000 yeah, right, a game. Jackson right, State right. Puts them so in. it's the state, is, the state is split up. You know, it's not like in Arkansas. It's not like in LSU. And so not only is the state split up, 
but it's a tiny state of 2.9 million right. people. Talked about why Auburn's a better job, and I agreed with Dan. Obviously, Auburn is closer to you know talent and all that. But I think one of the big things is the people, right? Alabama's twice as much population as the state of Mississippi. It just that breeds more you know corporations, more uh, just more money in general. There's just more you know more money flowing through through things and. It, it is. It's. It's. That's a big part of it. Is the state is split up for so many colleges, and it's such a small state to begin with. Uh, so they don't have the advantage of like in Arkansas, which this is the big boy there, or even the LSU, or it's the big boy. And you, you know, you could say the same for some other states like Alabama and Georgia, but their population is so much larger, right? It just is. All right. Let's do quickly uh, lightning round, if you will. Yep. Uh, if uh, one of the names we did not mention, who would you say is a possibility here? Each guy gets one pick. Pat, you can start. Out of names we did not mention. Yeah, not Freeze, yeah. Lane, or uh, Coach Prime. Who would you uh, – we're assuming uh, – we didn't really talk about Coach Leach, but I'm assuming he's not coming. No, I don't no, think he's so. coming. Uh, but anybody else other than that? Holy moly. Uh, Ross, you start. Yeah. Yeah. Start. Uh, well, we didn't mention Matt Rule. Just throw you know? a name out there. I mean, yeah. I mean, we, we, Matt Rule is somebody that, you know, yeah. I I don't know if he wants to get back in immediately. I don't know if he wants to deal with with the Auburn situation. And then I would say, you know, one to that, I would say Jeff Grimes, offensive coordinator at Baylor. He's got a lot of people who like he was He's been in Auburn before he's, as a coach. Pretty successful offense at Baylor. There's a lot of people at Auburn who like him, too. If you want an offensive coordinator who's got some SEC chops and is doing a great job right now, Todd Munkin, yeah. uh, Georgia, you know, their offense is really taking on a new aura of creativity and explosiveness. And, you know, again, SEC just go run around stealing each other's stuff. We'll go, yep. go get your one of your rivals' uh, offensive coordinator. Bobby Petrino, let's bring it. Let's uh, make it happen. There we go. Missouri, there we go. Missouri State. <laughs> I mean, I it would not shock me if Bobby Petrino is like driving through the night right now to Auburn <laughs> just to like lay down on the lawn out there and and announce his candidacy. <laughs> I, I think Todd Munkin has a real chance here. I think that's a that's a that's a real possibility, you know. And there is Kevin Steele. He's down in Miami. <laughs> now, they're not doing always really well, Kevin Steele. But always. there's always Kevin Steele. Uh, the whole thing. Um, all right, so that is our emergency pod. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, we're going to tape real late after the ra- the, the uh, rankings, so we'll be back for you uh, probably Wednesday morning with the um, uh, look at the first inaugural college football playoff rankings after that show. We'll discuss that, break it all down, and a huge weekend. But we had so much. Uh, we got brawls in Auburn. We got we to gotta make our own show. So we appreciate you guys taking an extra show and listening. And... Uh, Continue to subscribe, tell your friends about us. So keeps show keeps surging and we love doing it. So thank you to everyone and uh talk to you later.